Hello, welcome to the Bloom with a Boom podcast. I'm Rebecca, your host, and in this nourishing space, we're navigating life's prickly paths so we can bloom from a place of self-love and acceptance. And this personal development has a ripple effect on the world around us, hence the boom. I'll be sharing vulnerable stories from my own life, some of my own adventures and misadventures, as well as the journeys of the guests we'll meet. Personal wellness is a pathway to living authentically. So we'll also explore a wide variety of wellness tools. I'll be sharing some of my little life hacks, daily practices, and some of my guests will be sharing theirs as well. The little practices that their happiness runs on. Uh, so make sure to subscribe by hitting the follow button on whatever app you're using, uh, and that will ensure you won't miss an episode. So thank you very, very much for being here and sharing the space and enjoy the show. Today, we're talking with my friend, Julia Christine. Julia is a complete wellness coach. She's also host of the podcast, Life After Breath. And we're going to be taking a journey with her, which I can only describe as a deep personal awakening that she went on a few years ago. Um, it was a weight loss journey. It was also a deep healing from depression. This is a very vulnerable conversation about the state that she was in when she decided to go on this wellness program and really what the food journey was about, because it wasn't about dieting or, you know, maintaining a certain image or fitting into a certain pair of jeans. It was about coming into happiness and discovering her self-worth and really kind of discovering who she was because she had just gotten buried. Uh, she describes herself in this interview as feeling like a shell of a person. And so I was really honored to take this journey with her and have this conversation. Um, I think more conversations like this have to happen where we talk about how weight loss can be a catalyst to a full blown change of just perspective. I mean, we go into everything in this conversation. Uh, she became very dedicated to mindful practices. And so we talk a lot about the power of breath. She did inner child work, childhood trauma work. She really dug up a lot and came to a point really for the first time of embracing self-love and self-awareness. And so there is so much here. And of course, with that came a lifestyle change and a professional change. So for all of you entrepreneurs listening, everybody out there who is thinking about doing your own thing, you know, leaving a comfortable nine to five that, you know, might be comfortably uncomfortable or just a steady paycheck, but not something that you want to be doing anymore. Julia's got some incredible words from her own journey about embracing that identity and kind of jumping off that cliff and starting her own coaching program. So she could bring the same kind of light and awareness and renewal to other people that she experienced. So here is where I shut my trap, uh, except for the questions that I'm going to ask Julia <laughs> and I'm going to bring her on. Um, enjoy the show. Hi, Julia. I'm so happy to have you. Hello. Hello. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And it's it's been a pleasure to get to know you. Julia and I are both in a coaching program for podcasters and entrepreneurs. And Julia, I know it's been like a crazy, amazing journey of yeah. going from working a traditional nine to five to going on your own wellness journey to becoming a wellness coach. So please share where did that where did that begin? Take us back to that place. <laughs> okay. It was a long time ago. <laughs> That's not true. It was three years ago. So we were right at the height of COVID. Um, and that's when I was completely out of control and kind of knew it. Um, at that point, I have, I've dealt with weight issues my entire life. Um, I've got childhood trauma. I've got stuff that I thought was stuffed away, let's say, you know, that I was okay with whatever 
happened, happened kind of thing. Um, and I dove into work. I was completely unhappy with my body and who I was. And com to be completely honest, now I know how out of touch I was with myself. And I kind of can understand more of how I was feeling now when I look back, but we'll get there. Um, so I was working between 60 to 80 hours a week. I loved my job. And then I realized as I was in this process that there wasn't a lot of truth to that, that I was in the habit of telling people that I loved my job. And that's why I was so dedicated to it. And it was like, do I really love my job? And it was like, or do I just love saying that I love my job? Do you know what I mean? Is it just the justification yeah. for that? And it's like, it's like we want people to think that we love what we're doing when we're spending yeah. a lot of time doing it. Yeah. yeah. And especially like I, so I worked in the theater industry and I ran a building where the majority of the Broadway shows rehearse before they go to their theaters. And, um, so it was a lot of responsibility and it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Like it's an, the entertainment business. It's like, you know, it was there, there were some amazing people. It was a lot of work because I didn't just work with the amazing people. You know, I, um, I still love and believe in the company. I think they do amazing things, but for me, um, I was putting in 60 to 80 hours a week and I had literally become a shell of a person. When I say that I didn't know who I was, I can't tell you how true that was. I would go to like, first of all, I lost a lot of friends because I would just bail on our, you know, on our friend dates and like we'd go out or I wouldn't, or I'd be hours late because I was at work. Um, and then, so when I would go to like a friend's birthday party and meet their other friends, I would feel like as long as we were talking about theater, I could keep up with the conversation. But if we weren't talking about theater, I had absolutely nothing to contribute. And yet inside I knew like, I have a good personality. I'm a great person, but I had nothing to prove that. And so I'd be in these situations where I'd just be like, I'm nothing. And it was like, it was like, because I couldn't contribute to those conversations, I felt worse about myself and just hated on myself, hated, hated, hated on myself. Plus I was overweight. So anyway, at this point, it was probably, it was uh, April of 2020. And so I was working from home, which just meant I worked more. Um, I live in New York. And so I would at least walk a half a, a half a mile, a little over half a mile to and from the subway every day, at the very least, I was really running around the building. So I did, I was relatively active. But for the, the, the previous two months, I was not because I was stuck in the house. I started fearing that I was that I had COVID. I had no real symptoms. But I, I mean, like I'd wake up with a sore throat and I was convinced that I had it. And so I couldn't see my mom. So, cause I was going to kill her. And like, I literally quarantined myself. And the only time I'd leave the house was to take the trash. Well, I live on the third floor. So I have a walk up. So I would, I would run down the, not, not run. I would go down the stairs to take my trash and come up at back upstairs. And I would, my knees were on fire from the weight that they were carrying. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And like, it would take me. 15 to 20 minutes to recover from taking the trash for a good three or four months until I got on my program. So, so I was almost 300 pounds and I, mentally I was in a place where I knew I was not living my purpose. I knew that I had to, there had to be more because if this is my life, what the hell is the point? Like why, what, what, like this can't be my life. All I do is work. I don't have anybody to love. I don't have anybody who loves me, which is actually not true. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, there was no reason. So I started really contemplating suicide. And I say that there's only one reason that I am still here. And that is because I couldn't do it to my mom. And so my mom's love for me and my love for her is the only reason that I'm still here because I could not even fathom hurting my mom so much to find me. Like I just couldn't do it. And thank um, goodness. I know. Right. I mean, I'm so Thank grateful goodness. for that girl who had that little bit of consciousness left, you know, um, she's not a little girl, but like for that woman who was like, you know, and I'm, I'm really grateful for her because she stuck it out, Amen. you know? And so I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine who lives in California this one evening, it was late at night. I was a mess, like crying uncontrollably. And literally the next morning, another friend of mine called and said, Hey, I've been thinking about you. Would you want to try this program? Now, as I said, dealt with weight loss, my entire like ups and downs, yo-yos my whole life. 
three years prior, I had tried this, this, this eating program. I refuse to call it a diet um, that I noticed major changes in. But when you, and I can say this now as a health coach, you can try to lose weight. If you're only worried about the weight, it's not going to stay off and you're not going to be successful. You have to be ready. You have to be ready to make a mental change. You have to be ready to change how you see food, how you perceive food, and maybe go a little into detail of how you got where you are. And that's hard. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't want to do that. They just want a magic pill or like a surgery or a shot to be able to be like, and you know what? I'm not putting any of that down. I'm just saying if you do that, but then also do the work. And the work is mental. And so uh, I wasn't willing to do that three years prior. And um, I lost a great amount of weight. And what I realized is, was that eating that way, there was this mental fog that was lifted. And I was so, I had so much energy and I was so on point. And I was like, this is crazy. I've never had this much like space in my brain. And where I was from the night before where I had like bawled my eyes out, Like my friend was like, try some yoga, do some breathing, like do some things to do for your mind. Because I had, I told her, I was like, I don't even care what my scale says anymore. There's plenty of people in this country who are 300 pounds and happy. I just want the happy. I don't even care what I look like right now. And so when she said this, when my, my coach, the woman who became my coach called and said, do you want to do this? I was like, no, because I'm not interested in losing weight. But then I remembered that mental clarity. And I thought, that could be the key. And so, because I I was thinking like, I could do Weight Watchers, but I don't really want to. I'm not going to stick to it, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, yes. And so I placed an order and it literally, I'm not kidding, sat probably right here, (laughs) like literally right here for a month, an entire month, Mm. just sat there. That's how interested I was in doing this. I was not interested in making changes. I just knew something had to happen. She, I finally, my coach was like, are we going to do this? And so I said, yes. And we started, we set a date for June 1st, June 1st, 2020. I started my program and I can share with you. I don't know how that would work, but I can share with you a picture of my first day. If you want to see it, um, uh, of, sure. of where I was on my first day of program. And, um, she was like, are you excited? And I was like, no no, I don't want to do this. You know, like I don't want to live. So like doing something to better my life does not sound good to me at all. You know, uh, fast forward two weeks, I'm down 12 pounds, something like that. I'm feeling better. Um, that fog has lifted. I am, um, eating regularly healthy and, um, feeling a little bit better. And that was when I had worked out with my coach that I wanted to start some yoga because I knew I needed the mental health and I talked to my other friend about it. So I started an at-home yoga practice and I remember so clearly it was literally Rebecca, like being on a balance beam of like, I, cause I did not do well and I had done yoga before and I was good at, I'm very flexible. I used to dance. Like I'm a flexible person and it was awful. It was probably the worst yoga I've ever done in my life. Granted I'm 300 pounds and like, I, I, and I'm, I am tall, but I have a small frame. Right. Um, and so like, anyway, I haven't been outside in three months except to go up and down my stairs. Like, you know what I mean? So why? And so anyway, it was awful. And I found myself on a balance beam of, I could easily go down that hit that spiral that I live in of self-hate and self-deprecation and just beat myself up for how fat I am, how disgusting I am, how awful that last 30 minutes was. Or I could remind myself that I haven't left the house in three months, that I am out of shape, that it's been years since I did yoga. So why would I be good at it? And for the first time in my life, I chose that. And I chose to support myself and try again tomorrow. And I tried it again the next day and it wasn't good, but it was better. And I tried it again the next day and it was better and it was better and it was better. And all of a sudden I started being more aware of my choices through this program. So just quick fast forward, I think two or three months in, um, I decided that 
I had learned enough that I started to appreciate my value. I started to realize that I could choose to love myself, that it's actually a choice to live in that self-hate or not. And this program coaches a healthy mind and something called the drama triangle, which we won't go into, but I highly recommend checking it out. And how like you, no one can make you feel a certain way. And it's, that is a hard concept to get. Like somebody makes you, somebody made me mad. Well, no, they didn't. Their behavior was inappropriate and you chose anger as a reaction instead of realizing that that was their behavior, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is. And that's so easy, easy to say. And I'm telling you, it's a practice and it's something that is challenging to fulfill, but it's possible. Oh yeah. And so in this state of mind and realizing this a couple months later, I was like, if I could just help one person realize, discover their value the way I have, that would be amazing. So I decided to become a coach for this program. And, um, and so what, what I coach what, through this program are healthy habits. And so obviously nutrition is a healthy habit, but so is mental health. So is getting enough sleep. So is um, how you surround yourself. Like keeping a clean house is amazing for your mental health. Who would have thought, you know? And it's one of the things that kind of just started happening. And kind of like me being on that balance beam and realizing for the first time in my life that I could choose whether or not to hate myself. That just happened. That's not because I am on a quote unquote diet, you know, that happened because I believe and have learned in the last three years that your body is connected to your mind is connected to your spirit. And if you're going to work mm -hmm. on one, you kind of can't help but work on the others because I found myself cleaning Absolutely. up after myself completely unintentionally, unintentionally. And I remember one day I was like doing something and it was like, oh, that belongs in the bathroom and I'm on my way to my bedroom. So I'll just drop that off. And then it was like, oh, that's in the kitchen. And I like, and like, and I, I turned around and my house was clean. And I was like, I didn't clean the house. I just, it was just like, it just kind of happened. And so it was like sure. one of those things that you don't have to necessarily intentionally set out to do something, but where you're, when you're in a healthy space, it kind of just happens. You kind of want to do it and you don't think about it, you know? So Anyway, I'm going to quickly fast forward. I, in 10 months, I lost 130 pounds. Um, oh, I, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've coached um, incredible hundreds of people to, to weight loss. And I am not a weight loss coach. I consider myself a health and wellness coach specifically because it's so much more about losing than losing weight. You know, I, um, I gained so much more than I lost because I understand now my mm -hmm. value. I love myself more than I ever have in my entire life. I've done a lot of work. I've read a lot of books that I can list later if you want uh, that have really helped me come to a place of understanding myself, getting in touch with my inner child, which is huge and super important in healing, especially if you've had childhood trauma. And, you know, we talk about trauma as if it has to be this like major event, you know what I mean? And so like, if that's, if that's you or any of your listeners, I want to give you guys permission to like stubbing your toe can be a traumatic event. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you don't, something that affects you, it can be considered trauma. And so like, I don't want to minimize anybody's trauma or make you feel like because you weren't molested as a child, you don't have childhood trauma. That's absolutely not true. If you spent your life in daycare because your single mother was all she could do was to get, get you in daycare so that she could make sure that she could put food on the table for you. How can you fault that woman? That's not necessarily childhood trauma, but that doesn't mean you don't have abandonment issues because she wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so like, it's okay to have things to work through, even though you don't have this major trauma, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so it, by getting in touch with your inner child, you are super able to more analyze what happened as a child. And I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the majority of my childhood. I believe that I've kind of stopped myself from remembering some of that stuff. And, um, I am not one who is interested in figuring that out because I know enough to know what I need to heal from. And I know I recognize the patterns that I put in place to protect myself as a child. And so now, because I have a daily practice of connecting with my inner child, I can kind of sense what's going on with myself 
when I'm really in tune, like if I'm being heightened because of how somebody's treating me or I'm feeling like a certain way, I can step aside, go take some deep breaths, which is totally my thing and find out. And where is she? Where's my inner child? And I know when she's hiding under a desk, she's trying to be invisible. She's trying to make sure that everybody else is okay. And she's ignoring what she actually really needs. And that's who I am. And so then I'm like, oh, okay. And I pull her out from under the desk. I give her a big hug. And then I go out and I address whatever needs to be addressed because now I understand I need to use my voice in this situation, or I'm just going to perpetuate that pattern that is unhealthy for me. I think that in the wellness community, we, there's like this bad, not bad, but like, there's this like misunderstanding of what that means. And like, even when I talk about getting in touch with your inner child, like there's this like almost like woo woo aspect to it. And I, and sure we can go that way, but also it doesn't have to be that it can literally just be speaking up for yourself and how that actually is you taking care of yourself, advocating for yourself. Being a little selfish, I hate that word, with your time. You know what I mean? Because you deserve that time. And you actually kind of need that time. You need that self-care. Self-care does not mean you have to go to a spa. It means go for a walk. It means take a nap. It means sit and watch your favorite television show. It means listen to what you need to do in that moment to feel good for yourself and do that. I mean, hell, maybe you're like, yeah. It's such an intuitive process, you know, like, like you were saying, you didn't set out to suddenly become a better cleaner of your house. You know, somebody could go to a wellness event and someone could say, okay, brainstorm 10 things that you want to change. And that person could say, oh, I want to be cleaner in my house, you know, and that's a goal. And maybe they do or don't reach, but it's just something that there was one catalyst and that was this weight loss, you know, and you knew from the beginning that it, it can't just be about the weight loss. Right, you, right. I need a change and this is going to be my vehicle for the change. Right. But then all these other shifts started to happen yeah. internally. And I will know? say and, that, again, I don't necessarily want you, want anybody to think that. And this is where I like really try to steer away from this idea of diet is um, and think about nutrition. I really believe that obviously what we put in our mouth is very important, especially today when there's all these additives and all of the things that we could talk about. That's a whole other podcast. But but for me and what I will always advocate and what I believe brought me that clarity, lifted that fog along with regulating a lot of other things in my body is I eat every two to three hours. I eat six small meals a day. And I think that that is imperative. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who will disagree with me. There are a lot of people who will say that that's not good for your metabolism. It actually doesn't have anything to do with your metabolism. Um, And like, I know that like fasting and intermittent fasting is a big thing right now. And that's fantastic. What I want you to do, what works for you, but I can tell you that I will always approach it from an angle of eat every two to three hours in small doses, make sure you're eating protein every time you eat, you know, like all of those things. And the reason for that is because like I said, not only the mental fog and like it, I really feel like it makes more room in my brain. It gives me more energy because I'm using energy throughout the day. And also, most importantly, it regulates the chemicals in my body. It regulates your immune system and it regulates your insulin levels. It regulated my hormones. I have PCOS and I wouldn't say that I don't have it anymore because I don't know if that's something that like can ever just be like gone. But I know that the issues that that caused me throughout my entire life from puberty to age 45, those issues are gone. And have been gone for the last three years once I started eating this way. I have friends who have eaten this way, who couldn't get pregnant, did all the infertility things they could do, could not get pregnant, started eating this way, three babies. I'm not kidding. So like, I believe in this way of eating and I believe that it, it really, really does help. Once you have that clarity of mind, then you can start it. Like I said, it is (laughs) to be a little sacrilegious. It is the Holy Trinity. Like body, mind, spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you kind of can't help, but grow through all of them. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) They say that our gut is our brain. Yeah, for sure. Is yeah. There, there's just as many, um, uh, what is it like, uh, 
the nervous system, like there's just as many, I'm not thinking of the word neural pathways or something, but you know, if you imagine our brain is like having all these little connective, you know, to right. the gut is the kind of the same way. Absolutely. And the other thing that there's all kinds of science being done about like the power of your mind and the power of, and that's where like speaking something into existence or thinking something into existence and we're getting, I, I realized as we paused that I haven't answered the question about my job, but, but, but the, That's okay. <laughs> the, the thing is that is like science is actually backing all the woo woo talk of like manifesting. There's actually scientific proof that manifesting exists and works that, that how you think absolutely affects how you live. And when you constantly tell yourself, I'm such a jerk, I'm the biggest idiot. I'm the worst, all those things, your body, your mind the universe, but your body goes, okay, cool. I'm going to keep being the worst. I'm going to keep sleep. I, I cannot get up in the morning. Okay, great. We're not going to get up in the morning. When you, if you're struggling getting up in the Absolutely morning, agree. just before you go to bed, say to yourself, I'm going to get up great in the morning. It might not work the first day. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. It will work. You, how, like, I think Henry Ford says, whether you can or you can't, you're right. And so like, it, it's so mm -hmm. true. It is absolutely true. And now there's science backing it. So that brings me to where I believe getting in touch with how we talk about ourselves, because I, even still, and I believe this is a practice, if I'm late to something, my instinct is to grab my phone and say, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm not the worst. Who doesn't run late? You know what I mean? Like, I just happened to be late today because I got caught up doing something else or because I decided to sleep in or whatever, because I'm human, you know, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I don't have to be the worst. I'm late. Thank you for your patience. Be right there. I don't have to feel bad about that. And so, but how in the heck do you catch yourself from saying that when you are so for 48 years ingrained in saying over and over and over and over again, I'm the worst. I'm the, I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 I'm. So how you do that is you find consciousness and you become aware of the things not just that you say but the things that you think because when we talk about your surroundings and who you're spending the most time with you spend the most time with yourself you spend the most time right up here mm -hmm. you know and absolutely that is so it's really important because I would venture to guess that all of us would never speak to our sons daughters nieces nephews friends you know of children of friends the way we talk to ourselves it just would not happen so why is it okay for us to treat ourselves this way it's not and so once we start doing that how do we connect to that how do we start paying attention to that how do we start being aware and awareness comes from breath which is why that's kind of my passion all of this is my passion but my entry point is breath work is is starting with your breath so I love it that's where I come from. I love it. I totally agree. I breathwork has kind of come into my life at different points. It's come in through very intense breathing, like rebirthing. Right. It's also when I started studying Kundalini yoga, I learned a lot yes. of breathwork techniques. And yeah. when I've been frustrated, a lot of times I find myself just needing to sigh, you know, even yeah. that little, like without any breathwork training, okay, I just need to sigh. And maybe somebody in the room is going to think, you know, I'm being really rude. Maybe also, I should just cares? make that a nice exhale. <laughs> yeah. So this is, wow. I, I don't even know what to say. And <laughs> you, you came from feeling so depressed. Yeah that you thought about taking your own life and your mind. Thank goodness. I just want to feel into that pain yeah, and give you so much love for that. Thank and you. thank goodness you didn't do that. Yeah. And then this diet journey and my feeling, and please correct me if I'm wrong. My feeling is that all of this insight didn't come from that package that got delivered. No. Maybe some of it came from the coach, but that you kind of knew, you said, okay, this is going to be the catalyst and it's going to unlock all this wisdom and all this insight. And maybe I, I just feel like that's, that was there, that was I there, think... but it wasn't from this program. It was no. something that you got, but maybe are passing forward in your own program. Right. So that's where 
what I said in the beginning about looking for a diet, looking for a magic pill or a surgery or a shot or whatever it is that you're you're hoping that will solve all of these weight loss woes, you're absolutely right. That's a quick fix. You're going to drop the weight, but unless you do the work, it's going to come right back on. And so that's the thing. It's been three years. I've fluctuated, you know, I'm a little high right now. So, but the thing is, I know what to do. And I can get right back where I was. I definitely have not gained it all back. I have not gained near enough back. And it's it's been gone for three years now. It'll be three years in March that it's been completely gone, you know? Um, so, but you're right. I was ready. I was, I was at rock bottom. I knew that this was my only hope and I had to do it. And if I didn't do it, I, I didn't rely on the box to do it. The box was just the vehicle that got me to where I needed to be, but I drove the car. And so like, that's the thing when people are like, oh my gosh, as a coach, oh my gosh, Julia, you've changed my life. You've, you've this, or the program has this. It's like, I, I don't want to take the credit for that. This is your journey. And as a coach, that's a really big thing. I am a guide. I'm guiding you along and cheering you on. I'm not your judge and jury. I absolutely will not hold guilt over you because that's going to get neither of us anywhere. What I am going to do is give you some advice and you get to choose whether or not to take it. I, I refuse to listen to my clients when they tell me that they cheated. You didn't cheat. There's no such thing as cheating. You didn't cheat. You just made a choice. Did that choice move you towards your goals? No. How did you feel after making that choice? It made me sick. Consider that the next time you have that choice. The best part, Jason Siegel said this, the best part about making a choice is that you can make another one. So if you make a bad decision, quote unquote, bad decision, make a different one next time or make a different one right now. You are allowed to change your mind. If you're eating something that's not good for you or that is not a part of your program and it doesn't taste good, stop eating it. If you're eating something and you're going off of the program or off of whatever it is that's serving your goals and it's delicious, enjoy the fuck out of that. Because like, if you're going to, if you're going to go off your path, go off your path. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying like go crazy, but like, if you've already made that choice to, to have this instead of that, then enjoy it. And if you can't, or you're not because you're too feel too guilty or it doesn't taste good, then, then put it aside because then you're not really off track. And ultimately you're not off track anyway, you know, because you just, you just make another choice. It's really that simple, but you have to be ready for it. And you have to make the decision. There's a great book, The Power of Decision. Highly recommend it. Once you decide something, anything is possible. Whatever it is you want, decide it's yours. And it is. And and here we are. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, that all started with a quote unquote diet or me losing weight. And so it's actually a little frustrating. I got to be honest with you, Rebecca, because I... It's true. I lost 130 pounds and I'm not kidding when I say I gained so much more. I'm not anywhere. People think my confidence came from my dress size. And it's so not true. It is absolutely not true because one of the things that is really screwed up about our brains is that there's this thing called body image and body dysmorphia and it mm -hmm. is absolutely real. I have all the confidence in the world and I love myself completely. But when I'm naked and stand in front of that mirror, I still see a 300 pound Julia. To this day, sure, I no don't see a are... size four. I see 300 pounds. I see a size 24 in that mirror. And so there's more mental work that I have to do. I will sure. be honest, it's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better because I've started practicing some things that I believe will work. And that is talking positively to myself and loving my body and allowing my body to release the things that protected it for so long. My fat protected me for a long time. And so I lovingly tell it, I don't need your protection anymore. Thank you so much. Thank you. But I don't need your protection anymore. So you can go. That's so important. And I just want to reflect that back. This protection and this comfort that we get from food or the extension of that in the extreme, which would be from extra body weight, Mm -hmm. because I, I've never been on like a multi-day fast, but I've been with people who were on, I was staying in a community in Costa Rica, in the jungle. And there was a retreat happening while I was in the community and they were on a juice fast. And when you stop eating, you, all this 
emotions and repressed memories and things that were holding on to our bodies that we were protecting with the food that we were stuffing down with the food, yeah. you know, this all comes out. It's crazy. And, and, and so we associate that, comfort. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of that is passed down generational. Like there's a generational na- narrative. You had a bad day at school. Let's go get you a treat. Oh, you got an A on your paper. Let's go get you a treat. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we are trained to do that. And then I dare you, I challenge you to name a rom-com movie where a girl gets broken up and she doesn't eat a pint of ice cream or a bag of chocolate chips. You know what I mean? Like it's what we're trained to do. When I'm feeling bad, I go to the freezer. When I'm feeling bad, this, or if I have something to celebrate, I'm going to go drink three cocktails or I'm going to go get an ice cream or I'm going to, do you know what I mean? We are trained. All of our holidays are surrounded by food. We say they're about all the different things, but ultimately it comes down to the food. And that's how we, that's the society we live in. And so that's why we individually have to change our narrative and we have to look at, do I really need that piece of chocolate? Do I really need, that comes up a lot with my clients. Oh, I'm menstruating. I need some chocolate. Do you really? What is that going to do for you? Except that you've told yourself all these years that it helps. Does it really help? Because in my experience, it never takes a cramp away. It doesn't soothe anything, really. You know what I mean? (laughs) So like, what's going to feel better? Having that piece of chocolate today or being down three pounds next week? You know what I mean? Like, and then that, you know. (laughs) And also what feels really good so I didn't have to do that this time. You want to know why? Because I'm in control. The chocolate is not controlling me. My period is not controlling me. I'm in control. I get to decide. And that's why it feels good. Let's get our minds off the scale for a second. Because the scale, it does not define you. And that's my issue with weight loss coaching. And like, you know, not not my issue. Everybody needs a coach. I am all for coaching. And people, there are people who need and want to lose weight go, 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 go. Obviously I'm one of those, I was one of those people. So like, I'm not going to put it down, but my approach is the scale does not define you. Yes. We're going to use it as a tool to gauge where we are, but we are not going to pay too much attention to that. I want to know, how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you have more energy? How are your clothes fitting? How do you feel in your clothes? How does it, what does it feel like to look like that? What does it feel like to receive those compliments about how amazing you look or how, how happy you seem or Like, what does that feel like? That is what's important. And our bodies are so different. And the systems that are put in place to gauge those bodies are so archaic that when you define yourself by a certain number, because I I have this chart that somebody created a gajillion, some dude in like Netherlands created a gajillion years ago says that I have to fit within this range in order to be quote unquote healthy. That's not true. You know, how tall are you, Rebecca? I'm short. <laughs> I am five foot. Okay. I really thought you were, I was going to say five, three. I mean, you know, I've only met you on Zoom, but I, <laughs> you know. No, so Zoom I, is working for me. I've always wanted to be a little taller. <laughs> Zoom funny. is working for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody thinks I'm short. I'm five, eight. And so like, so why on earth would you, who is five foot, probably comes from a completely different background than I do, have the same measurements, like you know, system of measurement as I do as a five, eight person, why would we be in, in comparison or use the same thing for a dude from Africa? Like there's no, a six foot five dude from Africa. Like, Why are we using the same metrics? And so like, actually I disagree. I don't think that that matters. We can use it as a guide, but I'm not going to put my faith in it because here's the thing. I lost 130 pounds against my doctor's will. She only wanted me to lose 120 And I was like, I'm not comfortable with that. And so we compromised at 130. My goal was 140. And she said, no. (laughs) And I'm so glad she did because I have a friend who had skin removal surgery. I have at least twice as much skin as she did. Her skin after it was removed, they weigh it. It was 10 pounds. So let's just pretend Mm. that I double that. So I'm now, I'm five foot eight. I weigh 140 pounds. If I take 20 pounds off of that because of my skin, I only weigh 120 pounds. That's not exactly healthy. Now, I'm not putting anybody down who weighs that much, but let's look at like body structure, body type. There's lots to weigh in on that. I'm not going to judge anybody, but that is very light for a five foot eight woman. Sure. And so actually that's 
not a healthy place for me to be. So now I'm in this process of I'm actually working out, I'm lifting weights, so I'm gaining muscle. And so what muscle weighs more than fat? We all know that, right? So if I'm working out, all of a sudden my scale's going up. Well, no, I want to lose weight. Well, (laughs) do you see what I mean? Like a scale is not an accurate depiction of who you are. So that's why it's so important to figure out how you feel. What do you want to look like? What do you want to, like, how do you want to feel? I hesitate to say, what do you want to look like? Because then it's like, where does that come from? Do you want to look like a supermodel on a magazine cover? Because that's what society says. What do you want to look like for you? You know, and do you fit into the clothes that you have or that blah, 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 all that stuff. I personally am going am going off of a body fat percentage scale because that measures the amount of fat that's in my system. It doesn't count the muscle on the scale. It doesn't count the skin on the scale. It's just my body fat. So if my body fat with it is within whatever range I choose to make it in, if I'm lean, then I know I'm in, I'm good. You know when you're healthy. It feels good to feel healthy. Yes. And so like if you're feeling lethargic, if you're feeling really uncomfortable in your clothes. If you're out of breath going for a walk, let's take a look at something. But remember that it's more than just nutrition and fitness. Absolutely. Who are you surrounding yourself with? How are you talking to yourself? Have you taken some time for you? I am totally jumping off topic, but I think that it is, if everyone in this entire world, even just this country, but definitely in the world, would take 10 minutes more a day to just love themselves, we would live in a completely different universe. Because when you start to really love yourself, you find so much more capacity to love other people. Literally, I live in New York. I get honked out crossing the street. And instead of turning around and flipping that person off and calling him an asshole, I actually think to myself, wow, you must be in a hurry. I don't like it. I don't like to be honked at. But I also know his problem has nothing to do with me. Exactly. Do you know what and I mean? And so I don't it. have to put that anger out back at him. Exactly. I can just be like, wow, you're in a hurry. I'll walk a little faster or not. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> whatever it is. But that's the thing. I could have completely matched that anger with anger. And that's why we have so many problems in the world. But if I have this capacity to blow it off, because how how is that going to ruin my day? Why would I let some asshole ruin my day? It's my day. I'm literally giving him my power. I'm giving him my mood for the entire day. Why would you do that? But I, it's our, I, you it's because know. we're not in tune with our reactions versus our responses. And so you become in exactly. tune with your reactions versus your responses by going back to your breath. <laughs> no, exactly. It's all, it's all about the story that we want to, you know, absorb and, and carry out and, and put out there. And yeah, I mean, totally. I I, I so. totally agree. And I think, you know, if um, people who are at peace don't cause problems for other people. So yeah, instead of saying we need to take all the power and prestige and leverage away from the people doing bad things, which I'll admit there's certain people we don't want them to have. You know, I won't mention any names, but um, (laughs) it's more like maybe we need to make the story. Those people need peace. And, you you know, and, and we start by not reacting to every little thing that they do by matching their anger. It just is fascinating to me when you watch somebody, whether it's on top, that's the other thing, like pay attention to what you're watching, pay pay attention to what you are taking into your body because you're taking in that energy as well. Okay. I'll get off that soapbox, but, but when you're watching someone who's angry and just like absolutely going off on another person, you can ask yourself, what is that even about? Like, what are they really angry about? And cause nine times out of 10, it's like, why are you that angry about that? You know? And like, and so it's like, where is this coming from? And really the ultimate question is if they hate everybody else around them that much, they must absolutely, how do they feel about themselves? They must hate themselves. To be on that edge, they must have no capacity of love for themselves, of understanding of who they are. Because if that were the case, they wouldn't, I don't know that it would be possible to treat somebody like that if you didn't have, if you had some sort of sense of self-love. But I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I I can't imagine. I completely relate you know, to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And again, I believe that you find that peace by going to take, you know, so taking a breath in a conversation when you're starting to feel heightened because somebody's yelling at you or someone's, you know, someone has an issue with you, or let's say you're at work and your boss is bringing an issue to you, even though it has nothing to do with you and you're starting to get heightened, take a minute, take a minute, just say, hang on just a second and take a deep breath. Carry a water bottle with you at all times because nobody's going to question if you're taking a drink of water. You literally like, <laughs> hang on just a second. And you've just bought yourself a good 10, 15 seconds to take a drink of water. Unscrew the cap, do this. Blah, blah, blah. You bought yourself some time so that you can separate yourself. Whether you're taking a deep breath or not, you can separate yourself this much, just this much from whatever it is that's going on. And now you have just that much space to respond instead of react. I actually had a client say to her boss, yeah. I had a client say to her boss, hang on just a second, I'm reacting to this. And she took, she closed her eyes and took two breaths and then (laughs) was able to respond. And her boss literally stopped her response and said, what just happened? And she was like, I just was reacting. And I wanted to come from a place of like understanding of what you're saying instead of like my reaction. But what it did also was it made her boss take a breath too. And so now they're both coming from a much more calm place and we're able to work out whatever it was that was going on instead of both of them being aggressive or defensive or any of those things, which we naturally do. And I make all of this sound so easy and, and it, it is a practice. It doesn't happen overnight. It is absolutely a practice. I actually, it, it, anyway, everything is a practice <laughs> and, and you're allowed to have shitty human moments. There are times when you're going to just turn around and flip somebody off and call them an asshole. It is okay. It is okay. You are allowed to have those moments. Get through them and get past them. Let them go. Don't judge them. Don't judge yourself for them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like to tell people not to do something, but that's what I would encourage you to do is let, let it go and move forward with your day so that it doesn't ruin your day. Have bad moments in your day and not bad days. Does that make sense? I love that. Yes. Bad, bad moments in, in take the um, negative sensationalism out of it. Like that. Oh my, it's not my whole day or my whole week is a big drama. It's just things come up. There was also beautiful parts of the day. There was waking up. (laughs) There was looking at the sun uh, and having our morning cup of tea or coffee. So or to yeah, be able to that. freely leave my home and not be in a war zone or like be able to wear what I want to wear or like all of those little things. But you don't think about those things when you're not in awareness, when you're not in a consciousness state and you don't get there without some breath work or some breath practice or just taking those moments for yourself. It's so important. So important. It is. And our breath is the most important thing we do. It's the only thing people have gone days without eating, even days without drinking water. You know, speaking of yeah, you know, food. Yeah. Um, days without anything, but how long are they gonna go without a breath? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Maybe the best so swimmer why not- in the world or scuba diver <laughs> in the world, you hear, oh, went two minutes or something. I don't yeah, know, but it's free divers. Um, yeah. Why not, why not use it? If you're going to do it anyway, why not use it for your benefit? Right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Intentional breath. I love it. So, oh my gosh, there's so much here. So (laughs) I, I want to ask you something and who knows, maybe down the road, this is for a deeper conversation, but tell us a little bit about how, so you went on this amazing journey and it turned into so much more than you thought and so yeah. many more insights about being cleaner being showing yourself more grace showing your inner child more grace the breath part transferring this into coaching and yeah. at some point there was that point where you let the full time job go and i yeah. know from personal experience very recent personal experience that you know i could be writing this amazing new chapter but then there's that 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 stickiness, that uncomfortable point, or there was for me where it's like, okay, I'm shutting the side door, shutting the plan B I'm going for it. I'm, I'm right now. I am just a podcaster. That is what I'm doing. A month ago, I was a podcaster and somebody on a leave of absence. Now I am officially 
unemployed and a podcaster. So, you know, I'm just curious about how this early journey of turning this, turning this into a business and also leaving behind your, your full-time job. Yeah. So obviously from my story, my job, or at least my approach to my job was highly toxic. And so as I started growing myself and valuing my time and myself, I started putting boundaries in place. And I'll be honest with you, once you have an established pattern, establishing boundaries is incredibly challenging. People don't like it. When your boss is used to you working 80 hours a week and being available at all hours, and all of a sudden you start saying, I'm not available, it becomes problematic and it becomes challenging. And I had many conversations with my bosses. In fact, one of our VP actually told me that um, they felt like they had hired a new person because I was so vastly different to work with. And I took that as a huge compliment (laughs) because I was like, hooray, (laughs) then you're seeing it too. You know what I mean? Um, I I I don't think she necessarily meant it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think that on a personal level, she was really happy for me on another level. She wanted me to, she wanted me to be who I was because I was always available. I was always there for them to drag under the carpet. And I've heard somebody say once that there's no such thing as a toxic person. There's toxic behaviors, there's toxic spaces, but there's no such thing as a toxic person. And so I hate to say that that job was toxic. I hate to say that my bosses were toxic, but I will say that I had allowed a toxic environment to develop. And it's hard to take responsibility for that. Just like saying somebody made me mad. I can't, Rebecca didn't make me mad. I gave her permission. I have to take responsibility for that. I'm talking to a friend of mine who's having problems with her husband because he doesn't do all the things that she wants him to do. And I said, well, have you asked him to? And she's like, no. And I'm like, so then who's responsible for making sure the things you want happen? And it's so easy to say. It's so much harder to implement. So I am aware of that. So anyway, knowing that I was healing, still in a toxic place, was not okay. And I knew that a change had to happen. And I had been coaching and continued to coach. So I was working this full-time job, not as many hours, but still more hours than I would have liked and coaching. And I knew that I had eventually, I would eventually want to leave that job because I loved coaching. It's incredibly fulfilling. I love helping people again, find their value. Yes, they get to lose weight too, but having someone say to you that they love themselves or that they could actually look at themselves in, in the eye in the mirror for the first time in 20 years, like And knowing that you had something to do with that, again, their journey, but I had something to do to help them get there. That's massive. That is, that alone can change my life. You know what I mean? Like it's, so I knew that I needed to do this. I went um, on a coaching retreat with some of the, my fellow coaches. And I happened to go to like a little spa area and I was on my own and there was another couple and they asked me what I did. And I told them, And they were like, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. And I go, and granted, I hated my job. I kept telling myself I loved it, but I was miserable in my job. And I was like, and it just, for some reason hit me. And I go, you know what? You're right. It is a really fun job. And in my head, I'm saying it should be a really fun job. And someone who has fun doing it deserves it. And that's when I knew it was time. I was terrified. Wow. And if I talked to a financial advisor then, or even today, they would have told me it was the worst decision I could have made because I was not in a place to leave it. I was making a lot of money and I had a lot of bills, you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't have a whole lot of savings. And so as a result, I like, it was a really scary thing to do. And I, I did say this to you recently. It really did feel like I was one of those divers at the edge of an abyss looking down into this giant cave, hoping that there was water down there. But I knew that I had to jump. I knew that I had to do it. And I think that that mm-hmm. is something when people are trying to be on this journey, whether it's an, an, a journey of, of well, like your podcast is blooming, you know, and, and feeling like you might be too late to do something. That's bullshit. Let that go. That's a societal thing. Let that go. Follow your heart. Listen, when you know, you know, you know. And it's scary as all hell. Do it anyway, you know, and don't wait. And if you have to wait because of circumstances, do something every day that makes you get that much closer so that when you can, you're ready. 
And so I gave eight weeks notice. I was asked to stay for six more weeks. So I gave way too much notice and it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> but but um, November, oh my gosh. I think tomorrow is my two year anniversary from having left my job. No, 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 November, not October. So, okay. November. So I've got a month. I've got a month, but I'm close to being two years having last day of leaving my job. And I am a full-time health and wellness coach. And I have recently expanded my business so that I am actually more talking to people about full wellness, complete wellness is what I call it, rather than just their their nutrition and their, their um, physical health. Um, and I'm so excited about the things that I'm working on to expand that further, like super excited. Um, I am not where I wanted to be and it has been hard, but it, I don't regret for a second because I am out of an environment where I was not allowed to be who I really was because I, when I started in that environment, I was not who I really was. I found yes. myself through this journey and to the point where people would ask me what I would want. My mom asked me what I wanted for my birthday, like what I wanted, what kind of cake I wanted for my birthday. And I had to ask her who was coming before I made my decision so that I could make sure that everybody would be happy with my birthday cake. I I couldn't tell you what I wanted for so long. And in order to get in touch with who that person is and what she wants, like talk about goals. I don't have any goals. I don't know what I want. Well, what do you want? Let's dream big. I don't know. If I don't know myself, how can I tell you what I want? And so it started, once I started feeling a little bit more in tune with myself, I still didn't know what I wanted. And so if you're at that space, what I highly recommend doing is just standing in front of your closet and asking yourself out loud, what do I want to wear today? And make a decision based on what you want to wear today. Something as simple as that. Start there. Starting Start small. There. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard. If, if there are people who want to make these kinds of transitions, it's hard for a number of reasons. Yeah. First for me, financially, it was, it was hard and it has been, however, again, totally worth it. And it's been two years. I live in New York city and I'm still paying my rent, you know? So like it, it we're okay. Um, and just like we said earlier, if you make a choice, you can always make another one. So you can go back or you can find a new job that might isn't doesn't feel as toxic or, 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 or. The possibilities are truly endless. But if you stay where you are, you're going to keep doing the same stuff, right? Um, yes. So, but I want to talk about really quickly that two things. Nobody prepares you for what it's like to go from a corporate nine to five. Some you're reporting to somebody. You have a responsibility to be at this meeting, this meeting, this meeting, this meeting. You have a schedule. You have a, a detailed idea of what you need to do either each day or by the end of the week or whatever. There's a process. When you leave that behind and start your own business or start working for yourself or start doing things on your own, all of that goes away. You don't have somebody to report to who's going to be upset with you if you sleep in till 10 a.m., who's going to be, so you have that structure is not there. And so there is a big shift in that. And you don't, you're, you're not prepared for it because all of a sudden you start to feel a little lost. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm taking care of my clients. But why do I feel so at sea? I don't know what to actually do. And so there is this business part of it that you um, I haven't done this yet, but a friend of mine recommended this to me and I highly, I'm, I'm going to do it. Schedule, schedule a meeting with the marketing department. Well, who's the marketing department? That's me. Schedule a meeting with the finance department. Who's the finance department? That's me. It. But if I schedule those meetings in there, I know on Tuesdays from three to five, I'm talking to the finance department about where we are and where we need to be and what we need to do to get there. Do you know what I mean? And like, it makes so much sense, but you have to do that for yourself because there's nobody there to do it for you. And there's not all these other physical departments, you know, Duh. but you don't think about that when you're thinking about making this massive change, right? You think about, Absolutely. am I going to be able to do the, do the work, do the coaching, do the, and make the money. Right. Um, and so then the other thing is that I want to say, especially for me, but I don't believe that that's true. We 
I guess it's another societal thing. We are trained, we grow, we know, we, we have such a sense of self tied into our job. And so when you leave your job, you, there's a, there's an identity shift. You are not that person anymore. I am not the person that works 60 to 80 hours a week. I am not the person that represents all these Broadway shows anymore. I am not the person that people talk to about what's, what's the best thing to see on Broadway. Cause I don't know. I used to, but I don't anymore. That's a huge shift. That was hard to deal with, you know? And I'm also going to say, and I didn't mention this to you before, but I feel like I went through two of those identity shifts because I went from being the fat girl to the thin girl. I was fat my whole life. I was the fat girl. I was a big girl. I believe very strongly three years later that part of the reason I was as big as I got is because I have always, since the day I was born and could speak, called myself a big girl. And that came true. There's power in what we say. And I took the steps to get there, but I brought that to fruition. Like I said, I told myself on the regular that I was a big girl. Well, guess what? I ended up a big girl. Now I'm telling myself, I'm actually not a big girl. I'm a small girl. But there's that huge shift of like, oh my God, who am I? Because I used to be for 45 years, the big girl. And now I will never forget the day I walked into a store and this girl goes, oh, you're tiny. The small section's over there. And I was like, what? Like, who is she talking to? (laughs) Because I've never identified as tiny. I've never identified as a small. And that's okay. Not everybody will. But for me, that's a huge identity shift. Then I left my job. Another huge identity shift. And it is okay. I want to give everybody permission to acknowledge that to work through that, to grieve. I've had to grieve the fat girl. Not just because of how sad she was. I grieve for her, but also I, I grieve that identity. I had to go through that grieving process in order it's to a let growing her go. pain. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's okay to cry. It's okay. Oh, crying is so important. Can I just stop for a second and just say, we associate tears with weakness and there is so much power in crying. I, I Water agree. made the Grand Canyon. So what is it doing to your body and to your system when it leaves your system? Water is power. There is power in tears. When you just break out into, into tears because you're angry, because you're yelling, because you're sad, because you, because you don't know why. I don't know why I'm crying. I'm crying. I don't know why. Great. Don't worry about why. Don't worry about judging. Your body needs to do something, accept it and be like, okay, at least I'm strong enough to do this. Cry, 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 cry. Anyway, it's okay to have that identity shift. No, trust yourself. You know, everybody talks about having faith in God or the universe or whatever it is. Have faith. But part of that is trusting in yourself. And because I trust the universe, I do trust myself. And then I can go into a woo-woo spiritual thing about that too. But trusting God is trusting you because God trusts you, right? That's like, it's your path, Trusting God is trusting yourself. Absolutely. So those are one and the same in my opinion. And so you trust that you're making those right choices, regardless of the grieving process, regardless of the identity shift, look forward and look at how amazing it feels to be in your own power and make sure that when you, (laughs) as you move forward, that you hold on to that power. Don't give it to, don't give it to the asshole who honks on you, honks at you at the street. Hold on to your power. Yeah. Julia, this is amazing. This is amazing. There's so, there's so many nuggets here. They're not even nuggets. They're like, they're they're just mountains. (laughs) No, they're just, it's just mountains of wisdom. It's what I need to hear right now. It's what so much of us need to hear right now. We are not all in toxic jobs. Um, And that was actually hard for me. I was in a job that had a lot of benefit and I'm still very close to my boss and I still think about going back. However, you know, whether we stay at those jobs or not, whether they're toxic or not, Doing something, doing something that is generated from us is just this beautiful rite of passage. I mean, I I want to birth something. I don't have any human children. That's a whole other situation. I want to birth something and, yeah. and I am. And there's all these little things that go with it. And it's 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 funny. Yes, making time okay, there's the recording of the podcast and then there's the editing and you're a podcaster too. And there's so yeah. much, but treating them like meetings with the departments, that's a big highlight of this. Um, and 
and just go going with that honesty that this is a new identity and that can feel yeah. traumatic. Thank yeah. you so, so much. There's Absolutely. so much here. Yay. And I'm so honored to have you. I'm um, so thrilled to be here. I love my story. Guest. So I love to share it. <laughs> and you are, you are glowing and you are the perfect guest for bloom with a boom. You are blooming. Hi. You are luminescent. And thank you so much, Julia, uh, for Absolutely. coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bloom with a Boom podcast and for your presence. Otherwise, this community wouldn't exist. If there was anything that really resonated, share the podcast with a friend or family member, somebody that could really benefit from tuning into these conversations. And you can actually rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or the other podcast apps. And I'm just so happy to have you here in this community and stay tuned for more medicinal conversations about getting out of our own way.